Hello guys and welcome back to another episode of Brotherly Love in the District. Tristan here along with Jacob and Jacob's going to go ahead and tell you guys what we're going to get into. So in the NFL, Jalen Hurts has received a massive contract extension which is going to redefine the money in that position and also the biggest event in my fandom as a Washington fan is being set in motion so we're going to talk about that. Going on in the NHL, the season has finally wrapped up, sort of playoffs now, so we're going to give our final thoughts on how each of our teams did as well as what we think of the overall playoffs, possible favorites, and then going on baseball, it's it's moving along so we're going to be talking about how our teams have been doing and talk about some possible um, some possible things that could happen towards the end of the season, so let's get right into it. Yes, so to start off, we'll go to the NFL, and first off, we'll start with the thing that happened first in the likely sale of the Commanders. Dan Snyder came out a couple days ago and said that he's reached an agreement with the Josh Harris group that has Magic Johnson and a few other people. And who also owns the 76ers and The the Devils. So... He definitely has some experience in owning a professional team. He's got a little bit of experience under his belt. And from what I've seen, uh, 76ers have been pretty successful over the last couple of years. Devils, who have been a dumpster fire over the past couple of years, are now starting to look up as they're in the playoffs, as we're about to talk about a little bit later. So he definitely has a little bit of success, and I'll tell you, that does scare me a little bit. Yeah, this is... like. Words cannot describe the joy I think this entire area feels for this. I mean, people outside, I think especially bigger media, don't understand how big this is for the team. For over 20-something years, we've had a really big, nasty cloud looming over the team where we couldn't focus on football because there's so many external things that really degraded this this uh, fan base down into this bitter fan base that was just looking for anything and we finally got it and it is so huge to see and all all Josh Harris has to do is realize okay he's not a football guy bring football people in um an interview in 1999 when Dan Snyder bought the team has been brought up recently where a reporter asked him hey you're successful in the business world but you're you're not exactly a football guy. Are you going to bring football people in? And he said, I don't know yet. And he still didn't do it for 24 years. So that is just utterly ridiculous. So I am beyond happy that he's going to be gone. And the possible um, like effects this could have on the league is that obviously teams, I think, will grow go up in prices. And Washington could possibly finally move back Washington DC with the possible destruction of the RFK site if it already that already isn't in I've uh, heard that process. it's already in motion that it's already almost done. I'll double check real quick. But yeah, I think it's pretty much almost done. Yeah, and it, since it's government owned land, I think they were they did not want to give it to Dan Schneider even though uh, I think the area desperately needs it to help them to just help the area in general. But with this new owner, I think we could see that being set in motion, and I wouldn't be surprised if that would happen. And one thing I'm possibly hearing about is a possible name change. Apparently, there's reports that this group is really, really um, invested in the Red Wolves nickname, which I think would be a significantly better name than the Commanders. 
um, and just show the fans that you're listening because that's the name Commanders fans almost unanimously wanted and they didn't get it. They changed the Commanders, which was something almost nobody wanted. So that would be another big step and big step in the right direction for this team. And it's just it feels so good to start to have this weight lifted off our shoulders where we can actually start to like go to games again. I think you're going to see a significantly increase in um, the fans at the Washington fans at Landover. Yeah, so that's just, that's huge. And we've seen from DC Defenders games, they just recently sold out a game for 18000 for an XFL game. There's still, there's still passionate fans in the DC area, and I think we're going to start to see a lot of them come back out of hiding since good old Danny Boy's gone. Well, the Defenders also are good at their sport, so. <laughs> yeah, we're 8-1 best team, and the XFL could probably give an NFL team a run for the money. Uh. So here it says that RFK is nearly completely destroyed. They took out the upper bowl of seats and have started taking down plastic metal, uh, getting all that stuff underway. 965 tons of non-structural demolition debris was removed and nearly 778 tons of metal and 16 tons of plastic also removed. So... They're getting pretty far along in that, and they're working along. That was in March of 2023. This article was written March 30th, so we're about two weeks past that, almost three. So they're underway with that, and they're going along with it. I think the – so it looks like that's going to be the new stadium site also. I do think there's going to be a name change. I don't think that Josh Harris wants to go in with any stench of Snyder still on the team. he's going to get rid of that. that, A purge, I think, of like – most of the staff is going to happen from what I've heard. And that just, that doesn't include, not just includes coaching staff, but in terms of like office people, I'm hearing a huge purge is coming. Yeah. I believe this is where as an owner, you come in and you take on a new team and you want to make it your own. That's, yeah. that's something that GMs do. I mean, you're seeing the Titans GM do that right now. He kind of, he wants to let go the older guys and bring in his new staff and, his new what he wants to mold the team to be so as an owner i imagine it'd be the same thing especially with something as big as not just a staff and a roster of a football team but the entire thing as a whole the stadium the fans the merchandise you have everything to deal with so as i could see as an owner wanting to come in and change the name and just kind of rebrand entirely now like i said earlier He's shown a little bit of success, and as an Eagles fan and an outside fan, I think this does show a little bit of worry uh, as an outside fan because I believe that for years, Washington has always just been missing one piece, and I believe that over the past couple of years, they've just been missing that quarterback. They tried with Carson Wentz. It didn't work this past season. They've been trying with Taylor Heineke, which I've been saying since they were trying that it wasn't going to work, but... He could only take us so far. Yeah, they, his biggest asset is being able to hand off the ball. <laughs> his average stat line was 198 for yardage and then a touchdown and an interception for every game. Like yeah. He was not he was not out there just guns a-blazing, scaring a defense. Yeah, and like, even if like we're not able to get that quarterback right away, I think you're going to see this team start to play better because we don't have to worry about 
that whole issue of a horrible owner looming over, and you're going to see a significantly better attendance record for us, because if you even go back to, like, the early 2000s when Dan was still an infant in terms of his ownership, we, we still had the best attendance in the entire league, but things like um, moving to FedEx Field started to drive people away. Um, one of my dad's friends used to be a season ticket holder in RFK, and was around when they switched to RFK to Landover, and Schneider said that, okay, you're going to be sitting to the next to the same people because a lot of those people became family with the people they sat next to in terms of season ticket holders, and they lied. They, You were not next to the people you were next to in RFK, so there, that's just a, one of the many things one, that Dan Schneider just did wrong that drove away so many fans, so I'm... Um, really excited and also another good thing is that Washington's going to become an attractive free agent market again because people don't have to worry about that and for the past 20 years it felt like we can never get the top echelon guys like um, Russell Wilson turned us down it never really even felt like we could get him looking back I'm glad we didn't but that's just giving an example. We've never been able to attract those top stars. And when we do, Albert Hainsworth or a bunch of old guys, Bruce Smith, Deion Sanders, it has gone awful. So that's just another thing that I think is going to start to turn out better for us. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing that players look for as a whole. It's just the way the organization treats them and how they they're living because I mean these guys are humans they have families they want something that makes them feel good about themselves so they don't want to they they don't want to just be treated like objects essentially so that will change a ton inside the organization having someone that you guys actually like as an owner and actually takes care of the players uh now the sale isn't official it's up worth six billion dollars and the other owners have to approve it. I believe it was 24 of the other 31 yeah. owners have to approve it. And they are not set to meet again until Late May, May uh, in Minneapolis. So yeah. it won't be approved until then if it is approved. And if it's not, you guys are likely maybe keeping Snyder for it, another it will season. Be approved. I'm not worried about that because he is unanimously hated throughout the league. There's no reason for him to... For the deal to be declined and I know there is Josh Harris is a minority owner in the Steelers but it's less than 5% he could just he's, he's probably going to be selling that quite soon here so I really can't see anything major debunking this I because I think the other owners in the league want Schneider out frankly and I think if he were to hold on for a few more years I think he'd ultimately be forced out by the league and so I think the league will they'll approve this and because I just think they want to get him out and I think it it puts him in like he puts the under owners under fire while he's still in the league yeah so commanders looking likely to sell the team uh talked about RFK getting torn down and how it's probably going to be the site for the new stadium uh moving on to other big news now this is not just Eagles big news this is NFL big news because Jalen Hurts has been extended for five more years at $255 million. So he's with the Eagles for another six years. He has one more year on his rookie contract right now. So 
he has 179.3 guaranteed. He is the largest contract as a whole, but Deshaun Watson still holds the largest guaranteed money at 230 million. Uh, but Jalen Hurts, I mean, he deserves it. He had an MVP candidate season. He took the team to the Super Bowl. If they would have won, he would have won MVP. He had three rushing touchdowns in the Super Bowl, and the amount of growth he showed from his first year starting to his second year starting just shows that he does nothing but want to get better. So I I am very happy with the signing. I'm happy they extended him. He receives the first no-trade clause in Eagles history too. Really? Yeah, he. that's what it's – I didn't know the Eagles had no no-trade clause yeah, before either. Yeah, I had no either. idea. So, uh, Jalen Hurts is looking like he's going down as one of the, just the fact that they're showing their, showing that, giving him a no trade clause shows that they have faith in his ability to make history in this franchise. So, he, now, if the way that the contract is structured isn't out yet, so they don't have, there's no specifics on that yet, but... His average annual value is $51 million. If he were to make all of it, he gets some incentives and everything in there too, different signing bonuses and everything. But the way the contract is structured isn't out yet. I'm assuming that they're going to put more money towards the back of the contract to try to keep the team able to get have some wiggle room to sign some other players. Yeah. And that's what it says on these articles is that the way they structured it makes them able to build around him, which is what I wanted the most. I have no issue with him getting 50 mil. He deserves it. But it's the fact that they need to be able to work around that and be able to sign other players. And it looks like they did that, so I'm happy about that. Happy is with the team for a while. And five years, we got him locked up. And, I mean, the way that these young quarterbacks are playing with Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Lamar, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, he is the age and the next level of talent that all these other quarterbacks that are in the AFC are showing. And that's what makes me so confident about the future of the Eagles is the fact that we have one of those younger guys and there's really none of them in the NFC yeah. so far. Barring anything drastic like a career-changing injury, I think he's going to be around for a while. And one thing that this does is it, is it resets the quarterback market in the same way that Deshaun's contract did. I think guys like Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow are going to look at this contract and say, okay, I've done either the same or a little bit more, so I think I should be worth this, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. So I think that's, that's going to be big for the quarterback market. And I will say this good thing about uh, Jalen Hurts before, this, this most recent season started, if you recall, I said that this was a make-it-or-break-it year for Jalen Hurts because they had just gotten um, A.J. Brown. Their offense was looking very dangerous. So, good. I mean, he has showed massive improvement, and he has proven that like he's going to be the quarterback of the future, so good for him. Yeah, and this offense as a whole is sticking together. I mean, Lane Johnson's back. Jason Kelsey's back. The only really big piece that is out is Miles Sanders, which, while I'm not happy about, he was expendable. They didn't run him enough through the offense anyway. He only had 54% of the snaps this past season as the quote-unquote lead back. Uh, it looked like they were leaning more towards Gainwell as the season went on, especially in the playoffs. 
So they bring in Rashad Penny. They have Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott. That's They're really not seeing any new faces. I would like to see maybe a new slot receiver come in. Quiz Watkins showed that he's not quite ready to be an NFL receiver yet. So a new slot receiver to come in would be great. But, I mean, as a whole, this offense is pretty much the same for him. So he has he still has everyone around him. It's just a matter of whether the defense can step it up or not. So now, with that being said... Lamar, poor Lamar is never going to get paid now. With that money, he's the Ravens are going to hold off as much as they possibly can to give him money. And now Joe Burrow is probably going to make 55, 60 mil. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Jalen Hurts is a great quarterback, but Joe Burrow's better. That's there's just no. Yeah, they both made it to Super Bowls, but I think Joe Burrow was. more, a bigger impact for the Bengals than Hurts was for the Eagles. And what I mean by this is I think that Bengals roster wasn't as stacked as the Eagles one. And if you look at it, they didn't have an offensive line, and the Eagles do. They did have a good running back and wide receiver core, but their defense was practically non-existent. And he almost, not single-handedly, but he had a big part in almost taking them to Super Bowl. They were like maybe a second away from doing it because on the play that he got sacked on the fourth down, I think it was Jamar Chase was wide open in the end zone. In so. the Super Bowl? Yeah, in the yeah. Super Bowl. Yeah, that's I remember that. Right but right as he got sacked, and Jamar yeah. Chase was wide open. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow is, as a quarterback as a whole, is better than Jalen Hurts. There's no doubt about it. Justin Herbert, another guy. Now, I don't know if he's going to get – I could see him making around the same numbers as Jalen Hurts, maybe not over, but he's another guy who's just a good, pure quarterback. So he's up to get paid. Like I said, Lamar's up to get paid. Uh, but Jalen just, I will say this, as much as I love Jalen and as good as I think he is, I think his dual threat ability is what makes him a good quarterback. So if something were to happen where he can't run, then, I mean, you're taking out an entire side of his game. And with that being gone, I don't know if he's as good as he is. He's definitely not competing with Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes who can sit in the pocket and just deliver the ball wherever they want, whenever they want. We saw with RG3, if you take away their legs so early and they're not given the proper time to develop their arm, they can't They can't catch up. So that's one thing I think the Eagles are going to need to do is protect Jalen Hurts, protect his legs, and give him the proper time to develop as a passing quarterback while he still has his youthful speed and before it ultimately wanes and then you transition into the more like Aaron Rodgers quarterback where you're a good passer but you have your like, – you have your legs to fall back on versus it being the first option. Don't get me wrong, though. Jalen Hurts has really improved on his arm and yeah. his accuracy. I was The Eagles posted a top five plays by Jalen Hurts from this past season. Four of them were just absolute dimes, just placed yeah. right in the perfect spot on his receiver. So he's he's definitely improved his accuracy. Yeah, he has the... He has the talent. I just think he needs to get the consistency. I think that's the biggest thing for quarterbacks is having that really great arm, but being able to deliver those balls consistently. I'm kind of surprised that he got signed before Burrow. That's the only surprise to me. Maybe that's something that Burrow's team wanted to happen, just so like as a leverage kind of thing where 
he could look at what Hurts got and say, okay, I think I deserve more. But I'm yeah, I'm a little surprised because I thought the, the Bengals would try and lock down Burrow because he's more of a sure thing. And then the last little piece just to cover, nothing related to the Eagles or Washington, but OBJ, who is probably going to win MVP in the Super Bowl with the Rams before he blew his knee out, comes back and he's signing with the Ravens for a $15 million deal. Now, it is they have four, yeah. four voidable years, so it's like three mil per year, but he's he's going to the Ravens and I think that that really shows that Lamar is going to stay in Baltimore. I I don't know about that cuz like one year 15 I still think is a lot and I just think that the relationship between Ray, the Ravens and Lamar Jackson has soured so much that it's beyond the point of no return. Understand why they did it? It's because it's going to like they're trying to woo Lamar back, but I just don't think it'll be enough. Because they still have some glaring gaps in that offense. And OBJ was, he, I, I think he'll be a decent player, but he is not the same player as he was. And we don't know how he'll look coming off of a major knee injury at, when he's in his early to mid-30s. Now, I will give you that. He is coming off a knee injury. He is going to be the number one in L.A. He had Cooper Cup across from him, who drew a ton of attention to. But... In my opinion, I don't think this deal is happening with OBJ if there wasn't some sort of guarantee that Lamar will be there next season. Now, if Lamar does get moved, I don't think it'll happen until the draft because teams like, say, the Colts. Colts, for example, I think are probably the biggest team in the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes still. You have number one, two, three is Carolina, Houston, Arizona. Arizona isn't trading or isn't picking a quarterback. They have Kyler Murray, but Carolina's picking either CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, most likely, and the Texans are taking whichever of those two remain. Then three, the way that these quarterbacks are being talked about, there's a good chance that a team trades up for one. And if that happens, then the Colts are stuck at number four, and the Colts can't really trade up. I mean, they can, but they're going to be giving up the same amount as, say, the Raiders, who are at number seven or eight, uh, they'll be giving up the same amount. Or the Falcons, who are in the early teens, they'll be giving up the same amount to get one spot closer, whereas the Falcons will be trading up for 10 spots. So it's it's harder for the Colts to justify trading up one spot than to just trade away their first-round pick and get Lamar, who is a proven NFL MVP quarterback. The thing is, I think the Ravens would want more and well, it's two automatic first-round picks. Yeah, and with the Cardinals, it's unlikely, but I I mean, the Cardinals aren't exactly happy with Kyler Murray. Um, DeAndre Hopkins has said he wants to leave, so... Buda Baker wants to leave. Yeah, Buda Baker wants to leave, so what if... This is just a huge what if. What if it's a quarterback swap where uh, the Cardinals send Kyler over to Baltimore in exchange for Lamar? I could honestly, I could see that happen. I know it's a little far-fetched, but I just, with the whole stuff about uh, the whole, you have to um, do X amount of training or film study, and that was put in the contract. I just think that that the coaching staff, the ownership is nearing their ends with Kyler Murray and um, giving him a fresh start and in Baltimore is something that he may want and. Um, I could pop, I could see it getting done. Now, 
keep in mind that Kyler Murray is going in with a new head coach. So this is his fresh start that he gets. Now, if this were to happen with Gannon as their coach last year and he had a year of this issue, then maybe. But I also don't know. You do bring up a good point. I do like the idea of the quarterback swap, but I don't know if that could work being that I know in order to make an offer for Lamar, you have to do the two first round picks. I don't know if you can change one of those for a player or how that works. Uh, But I don't think it will, but I think Lamar is, he's better than Kyler. So I think that it's justifiable that Lamar and two firsts. um, um, And I think, I think it could work out. I don't know the specific details, but Uh, with that, that kind of closes out the NFL as a whole, unless you have anything else you wanted to add. Uh, the Commanders re-signed All-Pro special teamer Jeremy Reeves. Wasn't he a rookie last year? Yeah. <laughs> so he was but, on a one... Oh, he was undrafted? Yeah, he, okay. he was undrafted. He tried to make the team a few years in a row through... Um, but he was, like, preseason cut, and so it was his first year he made the All-Pro team as the, as the special teamer, and so we re-signed him, so... But, Good for them. All right. Uh, but with that, we will head over to the NHL, where we are now officially in playoff season. As we record, there are actually two playoff games going on right now. So first, we'll just kind of look at the Flyers and the Caps and how they ended their season and look at how we how we see the team going from there. And then we will talk about these playoff matchups. So start out, I'll run through the Flyers real quick. Uh, I think... Obviously, Flyers, terrible season. I believe they finished 7th to worst in the league. And the Capitals finished 8th. Yeah, they they were right there next to each other. Uh, Now, with that being said, Flyers had a terrible season. But amongst that terrible season, there was some bright spots. Obviously, Torts came in saying, I'm restarting with this team i want to see what everyone means to this team and see who's gonna who's gonna stay who's gonna go travis konechny came in in 60 games 61 points point per game player 31 goals his new career high he had an outstanding season uh travis konechny probably staying kevin hayes knows he's probably out only 54 points in 81 games he's an older player toward i don't believe he's gonna fit toward system Kevin Hayes doesn't believe he's going to fit towards system. He knows he's probably out. Uh, Owen Tippett, Morgan Frost, Cam York. Three big players youth-wise to see if they're going to stay. All three amazing seasons. Owen Tippett, 27 goals, 49 points. Morgan Frost, 19 goals, 46 points. Both of those players played amazing. Now, Morgan Frost is on a contract here, so he's going to have to get re-signed this season. Owen Tippett has one more year coming up. So both those team, both those players are uh, fighting for their NHL lives right now. But those three, and then Joel Farabee sh- uh, showed promise once he started to heal a little bit from his neck. Uh, Cam York, like I said, showed promise. I'm really interested to see what happens with Brendan Lemieux. He came over at the trade deadline, and the time he did play here, he was pretty decent, but he's on a contract. So I'm interested to see what happens with him. But the I do like the way the Flyers look. I like the way they close out the season despite losing, winning games and losing more probability to get Connor Bedard. Obviously, there's still a chance with the lottery, 
but despite the winning games part, the players looked good, and that's ultimately what we were looking for. Yeah. Carter Hart had a career year. He played amazing. And if just looking next at next year a little bit, I believe the Flyers could potentially be a wildcard team next year. This They have shown so much promise. Owen Tippett has gone off goal scoring wise scored his first nhl career hat trick this past season he's shown that he can score goals and when he's on he's on he he needs to get a little bit more consistency with his shot and he will be a 40 goal scorer in the nhl travis connectney like i said he's probably the next leader of this team hopefully we get sean couturier back and back healthy and back to the same sean couturier that he was before he got injured you know selkie finalist selkie winner if he comes back uh, close to as good as he was, we got some promise in him, and this team looks 10 times better. Now, this is all barring no crazy trades like getting rid of Carter Hart. Which makes no sense. When and, that room was around, I'm like, of all the people to trade on this team, Carter Hart is not it. He's not the problem. Carter Hart is the last person I would want to trade on this team. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that he's the second most deserving player to see behind Sean Couturier. Now, uh, I know it's I, weird with goalies, but I would is. I would even say he's more important than Sean Couturier. Yeah. Now, the only reason I say that now is because Sean Couturier has been injured for two years and he yeah. hasn't played an NHL game in two That's, years. You're going to see that. We you do not know if he's going to come back. I mean, we saw with Backstrom, a significant injury could like change how you play and you're not going to be able to get back to that point you once were. Yeah, so... I believe Carter Hart is the most... They did the team awards this past season, and Carter Hart won, like, five of them. He's just... Yeah, he, he is, He's everything to this team. If there is... Now, Danny Briere says no player is untouchable, but if there's one player that comes close to being untouchable, it's Carter, it's Hart. Carter Hart. And I listened to this one guy, and he makes a very good point. He says that goaltending is, like, franchise quarterback in the NHL. If you don't have a franchise quarterback, you're doing everything you can to find your franchise quarterback. Look at Washington, for example. I was just saying the team around the quarterback looks good. Like you guys look like you're a quarterback away, but that's the issue. You can't find the hardest part. The Flyers have the hardest part done. They haven't had a goalie like this since Ron Hextall. They haven't had a goalie that they can count on that they know is not going to give up a ton of goals, except for maybe the little brief period that Boucher was playing lights out in the early 2000s Maybe like Brzezgalov for like no they half a year they oh <laughs> yeah they overpaid Brzezgalov so uh, this yeah. is this is the closest thing they've had to a lights out night to night goalie that they don't have to worry about and he's gonna play 50 60 games he's gonna be putting up Vasilevsky numbers in games not yeah, stats like, I, was <laughs> I, I, I knew you were gonna <laughs> say something so just the way the amount he's gonna play he's gonna be putting up Vasilevsky numbers and the amount he's gonna be playing not his stats, but it can't. Carter Hart is the closest thing to untouchable that we have. Travis Konechny, number two, so close to untouchable. And I, this is just such a young team, and I'm actually excited to see the way that they play. And Noah Cates, he's another guy who kind of goes under the radar. He was because he's not a big point scorer, but Noah Cates is like a Sean Couturier 2.0. He's more reliable, a two way forward. He only had 38 points in 82 games this year, but. He's not meant for the point generation. He's meant for the two-way forward. He's a good third-line center on a full team. So he's and he chips in point-wise occasionally. So 
This team is young and looks good. I could see them as a dark horse wild card team next year. And as long as they keep most of the team together and don't make any crazy trades, they it's, look good. It's possible, but for me, there's a lot of ifs in that statement. Um, there you're going to need to stay healthy and in order to do that. Not only are you going to need to see further improvement from your young guys, you're going to need to get a few more signings here and there. Well, so. So, so with that being said, there was something Tortorella did say. We're not signing any splat. Like, there's no splashy flyers moves coming. They're not going to go out and sign a Johnny Gaudreau when he like when he was a free agent. They're not going to go out and sign yeah, some I'm splashy not name. That, but you need. I the, still think the, they need to sign some guys. The only thing that will be signed is depth players. Torts said, "I don't want anyone to come in who will take a young guy's spot. So no one to come in and take Tippett's spot or Frost's spot or Bobby Brink, who's on his way up, or Ronnie Adder, who's on his way up. The, he doesn't want anyone coming up to take up these young guys' spots. Now, I see this as a good thing I because I think that especially Tippett, Frost, and Konechny have shown that they can be top point generators when they have to be. Morgan Frost, he's only he only missed one game this season, and it was because he was a healthy scratch. And John Tortorella is a big guy for accountability. So he's he only missed one game. He was healthy all season. And you could see towards the end of the season, he was getting his confidence. And he was trying moves that he had never tried before in the NHL. So the young guys, I believe that they left the season with momentum. Now, you can't take you know, winning from one season and move it into the next one. But you can leave a season with momentum and... I don't want to say joy or anything, but feeling good about yourself. A certain mojo. Go, yeah, going from one season to the next, you can be feeling good about we yourself, saw, and I think that... We saw it with the Redskins in the 80s, but my only rebuttal to Torrell's point is your young guys shouldn't feel that their spot is guaranteed. They need yeah, competition. Yeah, I agree with that, and I think that's that's still a point. Yeah, but. I think it's a little dangerous to say that I don't want any guy, I don't want anybody coming in and taking a young guy's spot. The young guy's spots need to be in question because they need to feel as if they earn it, and they need to play their way onto that spot. That's my only rebuttal I, I so mean, i can see why he said that but i just think that it's important for your young guys development to have that kick in the butt to keep them going and not to feel like oh my place in this team is already guaranteed i know i'm not going to get taken out so i don't have to go 100 percent every single time now that's i i think what he was trying to say is he's not signing any splash names i believe that they're still going to make moves for yeah. smaller guys like depth guys who are still going to push him but i think he's trying to say like he's not going to go out and sign one of the top free agents in the class this year like he doesn't want any big big names who has to play like yeah. johnny goudreau is getting paid nine nine and a half million you yeah. have to play johnny goudreau you cannot sit him and that's the point he's getting to. He doesn't want a player that they pay so much that he has to play. He wants to give the young guys the ability to play and prove themselves in the NHL. That's what he was trying and to get at. Well, to be fair to Tortorella, I don't think you can really draw any major free agents at this point anyway. Like the top, top guys, if you look at the Philadelphia situation, it isn't exactly Yeah, just free. based off the last season. Yeah, it's but. not free. And like with Tortorella, he's... It's big to play for him. You need it. It's hard to play for him. style does not apply to everybody. It's very specific. You need to understand that it's different and it's hard. Yeah, but I I believe with the way the season... I'm very happy with the way the season closed out. They closed out strong. Now, hopefully, we get some lottery luck 
and get Connor Bedard here. Now, if we get some lottery luck and get Connor Bedard, then I think the Flyers become a real big attraction because, like I said, I I don't think it's I think the young guys did look good. So I really hope we don't get Bedard, but you know I, who could get Bedard is the cap because we're only one place behind you guys in the Yeah, but you're still like two percent lower than us. It's two percent. It's not Yeah, well I'm saying like even the number one team only gets a eighteen percent chance. It's around, I saw the yeah I saw the list yesterday. It's only around eighteen percent. So I'll bring up the percentages real quick. Easily anybody could get them, but quickly talking about the cap season, um, I know a lot of people probably expecting to me to be kind of mad, um, and but I was expecting a season like this to come, and I think it's very important. Um, we need to understand that significant changes need to be made, or else it's going to be way too late. I think right now is the best time for a major retool because guys like Wilson and Ovi, there's still some good productive guys on the team, but there's a lot of guys I think you need to get off the team. Um, and I think that started with the coaching staff, not only have the caps part ways with Peter Laviolette, his contract is that we're not going to resign him, which I think is ma- massive because some of his coaching decisions were baffling, frankly, because... Um, he sat Dylan Strom um, a few times throughout the season, and he ended up with 65 points, and Evgeny Kuznetsov ended with 55. There's no reason Dylan Strom should have been sat over Kuznetsov, and I think Kuznetsov needs to... We need to get rid of him, him along with Mantha. I think Mantha, he sucks. But with Kuznetsov, his trade value is at his max now, and he just... He's lazy. We need... I mean, we need better guys on the team. He only scored 55 points. So I think he needs to get off the team. And also, this came out three hours ago, we have also part ways with both both of our assistant coaches, Kevin McCarthy and Blaine Forsythe. So it looks like we're getting a fresh coaching staff, and hopefully we get rid of some of those players like Mantha and Kuznetsov and bring in some younger guys and hopefully go through a major retool and get Conor Darden in the draft. So the Ducks have an 18.5% chance with the top odds. That's not that much. And then Columbus at number two with 13.5, Chicago with 11.5, San Jose at 9.5, Montreal at 8.5, Arizona at 7.5, Philly at 6.5, Washington at 6. So you guys are closer with us than I thought. And then Detroit at 5, St. Louis at 3.5. So it's feasible that any one of our teams could end up getting extremely lucky. So we can... Flyers can end up with the one, the two, or the seven, eight, nine spot. You guys can end up with the one, the two, or the eight, nine, ten spot in the draft. And this is a deep draft. I mean, yeah. any of the top three picks are decent picks because you got Adam Fantilli in there, Michkov. Uh, there's one other guy who's up there. It's and with Michkov and the fourth prospect that I'm thinking of that is fleeing my mind right now. They, it's just based on how they see the player. It's Adam Fantilli it was a goal-scoring machine in the NCAA this year. He's he's the next closest thing that you're going to get to Bedard. Bedard put up more better numbers than McDavid did in his final season in the CHL, or OHL, I believe he was OHL. Yeah. WHL. I know there's OHL, WHL, and Q G yeah. there's one with an O or Q. Yeah, that's I believe that's A. But in their in their youth leagues, they 
uh, Bedard put up better numbers this past season than McDavid did in his final year in his youth leagues. So, and I believe McDavid was in the WHL. And uh, so they, they put up similar numbers, but Bedard is the closest thing we're getting to a McDavid that you can see in the NHL. So he's definitely a mesmerizing prospect. And that's why, I mean, he's so sought after right now because everyone wants the next McDavid. Why wouldn't you want yeah. that? McDavid scored 152 points this past season. Ninth player to do it. Did you know that in 1985-86, there were five players to score? Leo Carlson was the fourth guy I was looking for. Uh, Connor Bedard's in the WHL, too. Uh, but... In 1985-86, there were five players to score 150 points in one season. It makes sense because the goalies couldn't, like, they didn't know what the butterfly was. If you yeah. go back, if you look at the goalie stats, it's like the Vesna winners have sub-900 save percentages, and it's like over three goals against average. So that does not surprise me, and they had smaller pads. So, yeah, it makes sense. Um, that there is a lot more 150 point scores. I don't think we're going to see anybody touch the point scoring record ever, mainly because that the goalies, I just think, have gotten so good and not only the rules, but the equipment of goalies has gotten so much bigger. So, yeah, I don't think we're going to see anybody get near that record. McDavid was from the OHL, so I had him switched. Yeah. I thought Bedard was in the OHL and McDavid was in the WHL, vice versa. And the league I was thinking of earlier was the QMJHL, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Yeah, so they, they have all kinds of different leagues yeah. up there, but overall, I think uh, the Flyers definitely have potential jumping into next season caps. I don't know as much about. Um, it, it really depends on the offseason because I mean, if we get more guys like Stroman, we get rid of the pylons like Kuznetsov and Mantha and we get like either... I think we're looking towards a younger coach, and if that works out, I think we can get back to losing in the first and second round. That is just, so sad to say. Just choking in the first and second round. All right, yeah. so so to close out with that, let's uh, move on to what, the, in my opinion, is the best event in sports. Playoff hockey is the best sport known to man. Personally, I think football overall is the best sport, but NHL hockey is just a different breed of sports. It's so much quicker, tighter checking. There's so much more going on in the NHL playoffs than any anything else. So start off with the 1-8 in the Eastern Conference, Bruins-Panthers. Um, I know the Bruins have had a historical season, and I have been moving on, but if they were to lose, it honestly wouldn't surprise me because... I'm a Cavs fan, so I know the President's Trophy curse, curse is real. I've experienced it three times in my life, so if the Bruins were to lose and they would take a dump in the playoffs, I would, I'd, I'd laugh, but there's, they're not going to. There's only been one team in the past ten years to win the President's Trophy and the Stanley Cup. I agree with you there. I don't see, I don't see Boston making it past the second round. I think that, I think that Florida is a scary first-round matchup for them because you have... You have, one, it's a division matchup, which is always hard. Yeah. Secondly, 
the, Boston has just been clicking automatically on offense. I mean, don't get me wrong. Their goaltending has been phenomenal too, but the, it's in the playoffs, it's a different game than in the regular season. In the regular season, it's just score as many goals as you possibly can and you'll probably win. To always go right. Yeah. In in the in the playoffs, you make one mistake and you're done. Like yeah. there's there's no room for mistakes in the playoffs and I also think this is where I really think that they're going to fall off is they lost 18 total games in the regular season. 18. That in 82 games that is ridiculous. Like they they went 64-12 and 6. Yeah. They had a historic season, most points in NHL history, most wins in NHL history. They had a historic season and they just went off the charts on every single stat in the NHL. But if you look at the teams who win, usually are teams who get hot at the right time. Yeah. Uh and I mean the Avalanche last season were were doing good all season, but uh, I mean it's just getting right at the hot time. And the Avalanche last year they didn't have that historic season. I'd, uh, I'll have to double check their record last year, but I know I believe they went to the highest they went was a game six. They swept the Predators in the first round. Yeah. I believe they won in six in the second, and then five in the conference finals, and then six in the cup. Yeah. Like they. They never went above six games. They were fresh the entire time. They were just hot at the right time. And then this is a different sport, but you look at the MLB. Phillies were fighting back the entire season, got hot right before the playoffs, mm-hmm. rode it all the way to the World Series. Same with the Braves the pre- the season prior Same to that. Yeah, it's and just about when you get hot, especially in a game where you have 82, 82 games in a single season. Like, the Bruins have been hot the entire season and have not cooled down, and there's no way that they – I just don't think there's a way that they can stay hot in entire – potentially seven games for four rounds is an additional 28 games. Yeah, like, I've always kind of questioned the depth of the Bruins, and I know they picked up guys like Hathaway and Olaf to help that, but it should be interesting to see once they hit some adversity – because um, if they were to be the Panthers, they're going to be facing the Maple Leafs, or you're going to be facing the Lightning. And Probably the Lightning. Yeah, but either one of those is a tough matchup because, say, the, the Maple Leafs get the monkey off their backs. They're an explosive offensive team, and they're obviously going to have a new mojo. They're going to have confidence from finally getting past the team that, has, that went to back-to-back Stanley Cups. And... If the Lightning do beat the Maple Leafs, the Lightning are experienced. They have been there and done it. Yeah, and I, so the, I, I believe the Bruins. And here's another reason I think the Panthers are scary. They've been playing playoff hockey for the past month. I mean, they've yeah. been fighting for their playoff lives since they their seventieth game. They yeah. they have they have not been comfortable at all. They, I believe they locked down a playoff spot one or two games before the playoffs started. They have not been comfortable at all. They have been fighting for their playoff lives and that's something that you can take into the playoffs. So I could definitely see the Panthers coming up. I believe the Bruins are going to win this overall and then I believe they're going to play the Lightning in the second round cuz like you said Lightning have been there done that. I have I haven't seen the Leafs go past the first round. 
nor do nor do I see a reason to make it past the first round this year either. I mean, they keep the yeah. same team structure every single year. It's they need to go back to the old system. Yeah, they 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 go high offense, low defense, and they take it in the playoffs. And every year they lose. I mean, I just they haven't changed the way that their team is built. I, I just don't see a way that they beat the Lightning here. Yeah, I'm, I chose the Maple Leafs last year, and obviously it didn't work out. And I'm I'm the jinx of this podcast. If you are a recent listener, I'm awful at predicting playoffs. I believe one or two years ago, I only had one one or two correct prediction in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So I take whatever I say with a grain of salt. But I think the Lightning are gonna win in six or seven. Uh, going to the Metropolitan because the playoff matchups are formed perfectly to be Atlantic Metropolitan. Uh, so when I said earlier they should go back to the old system, I was referring to this. I think they should go back to the old playoff system, like because I just think that was better. You see, one, just one through eight. Yeah, I think, uh, I think Chris Sidney Crosby said he wanted to do yeah, that too. Yeah, I, I just think you see better divisional matchups, like. Um, under this system, it would be hard to see another kind of Caps-Penguins situation where you see that rivalry nearly year after year in the second round. So I would prefer to see the old system versus just this current system where you're just playing your division. Uh, so starting out with the Hurricanes Islanders currently playing right now, uh, this is another one where the Islanders could be a scary team. Uh, they are... They've been fighting for their playoff lives. They clinched their berth the last game of the season, so they could be a scary team. They're built, they're built pretty well rounded. They're not a. Uh, this is a, this matchup is a very well rounded matchup. Both teams are uh, built well all around. Offense, defense, put together very well. I believe the Islanders, though, the way their depth is, I think they have more depth overall. I think the pan. Hurricanes are more top heavy, but I think the Hurricanes also their top heavy pieces are way better than the Islanders top heavy yeah, pieces. For me, I the Islanders I don't think they're gonna win this series mainly because they've always struggled to score. Um and they continue to do so. They're a really gritty team, but when it comes down to it, I just don't think they have the scoring firepower nor like they're gonna need nearly perfect goaltending and I just don't see that happening frankly because they don't have a top top goalie so I have I have the Hurricanes moving on in five in five games maybe six I see six uh Boston I see a six game series in Boston and then Tampa I think it goes all the way to seven in Tampa yeah, I, that's it. just the Leafs formula of the past few years go to seven get close cry <laughs> And then uh, <laughs> the battle of that little tri-state area with the Rangers and the Devils. And I told you at the beginning of the season that the Devils were going to be good. I told you. They they finished second in the division. Mm-hmm. I, I You can't say that they were bad. So yeah. I, I mean, they're going to lose to the Rangers. But... I would agree. I, I was talking to someone earlier, and I was telling them why the Devils are going to lose. I believe that the only step up that the Devils have on the Rangers is the youth and the speed. But... Yeah. Because the playoffs are faster, but that's not enough. The Devils are not mature enough to be in the playoffs yet. This, I think this will help them like make a major jump in the future, yeah. but right now it doesn't help. The Rangers have so many pieces that have done add, this before. And they, even without the additions they made this, um, this season, they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals last season. They went yeah. on an amazing run, and 
They added Tarasenko, who's won a Stanley Cup, and Patrick Kane, who has won multiple Stanley Cups. In ca- and, and I believe he's a Conn Smythe winner. Yeah, and so they have an amazing power play and an, and an amazing goalie, and that we've seen that can take you far in the NHL playoffs. So, I mean, spoiler, I have them making it back to the conference finals. I, I think they will, too. Yeah, I just think they're, they're very good. I think they've solved kind of their depth kind of solved their depth problems because they added two high-level scores again. So, yeah, I, th- I think the Rangers are going to be a very difficult team for anyone to beat. Yeah, the Rangers, and they have a Vesna winner in net. They have a Norris Trophy winner on the back end, and then Truba in the back yeah. end. Keandre Miller, who has been an, adi- an outstanding young defenseman for them. And then on the front, you know, just Adam uh, Panarin, uh, Zabana Jad, Patrick Kane, uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, like Philip Edel, who's a young, a young yeah. explosive guy. Like they just have so many weapons. I don't see a way that they lose to New yeah, Jersey. I, I don't either. I think New Jersey's good, but they don't have any playoff experience. And with young teams like this, I just think there has to be those series where you find out this is a great step. This is something to build off next season. But I cannot see them getting past the Rangers at this point in their development. I think it's an Eastern Conference final rematch of last year. Yeah. I that's how I see it going down. Uh going over to the Western Conference, Vegas against the Jets. Uh I will be the first to admit I don't know as much about the Western Conference as I do the East. I know uh, it's a lot more up for grabs. Yes, I I know it is very it's a lot more close in the way that they are the way that they're ranked. Uh but I know Vegas has been on a heater this year. You know, not a Boston heater, but they've been on a heater. And I don't think that a team that barely snuck in in the Jets is gonna stop them. I see Vegas rolling right over. Right I over. I see the Jets going on a small run. I actually have them winning mainly because you have to change things up, and my mind's telling me that the Knights are gonna win, which probably means that that's wrong. That's a fair... I could see why you would go against yourself. Yeah, and I can... Because they have decent players. They still have Connor Hellebuck in that, and they just have this idea that we just made, make it, made it into playoffs. We don't have anything to lose, so let's just go for it. That's, that's always the mindset to go in with. Yeah. Uh, Oilers and Kings. Now... Personally, I think I'm rooting for the Kings in the in this playoff. Jonathan Jonathan Quick, I know he's not a king anymore, but he's kind of what drew me. King. Yeah, he's kind of what drew me to the Kings in the first place. Uh, so I kind of want the Kings to win it here, but they don't have Kevin Fiala to start the playoffs out. That's huge as he's one of their top scorers. And the Oilers, they were just a little bit of defense and a goaltender away from the Stanley Cup last year. And... They have both those now. Yeah. They they have a now their defense is nowhere near as better as their goaltending situation is. Stu Skinner is outstanding. Mm-hmm. He had an all star season. Uh, they also have Jack Campbell to back him up. So they have two solid goaltenders in between the pipes this year. They have a lot more on their side, and I can see the Oilers making a run to the conference finals again. Yeah, I actually have them making a run to the conference finals. I just think that Connor McDavid, this is the best form we've ever seen him. And, and even guys like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, he's reached a career high. Zach goals. Hyman. Yeah, Stuart Skinner is playing really good. So I think 
if Stuart Skinner's able to really keep this form up, they can be a very dangerous team. Like I said, for the Rangers, a good power play and good goaltending can take you far, and they have that in spades. Now, in the next matchup, we have the Avalanche and the Kraken. Now, the Kraken are built for the playoffs. This is a team yeah. built for the playoffs. They are built through their defense, through their defensive ability, and then worry about goal scoring later. But the Avalanche are doing exactly what I've been talking about in the fact that you need to get hot at the right time. The Avalanche were hovering around 13, 14, 15th in the league the entire yeah. season. And just recently, they sprang back up to the top of their division in the Central. Well, they and did have a lot of injuries in the middle part of the season, and they're starting to get all the guys back. So I think that's one of the reasons this um, spurred of energy has happened. They also lost, but they don't have Gabriel Landeskog. Uh, he's out for yeah, that, the season. Yeah, that's big. But um, I, I have this series going seven games, but I do have the abs winning because I just think the Kraken, I mean... They're probably not supposed to be here. So I think they're going to go in with that mentality and bring that spirit of gritty to the series. Uh, I also have the Avalanche winning. Like I said, they've done exactly what I've said in the fact that they got hot at the right time. And they're. I think they're just going to ride that through the playoffs. And Again, I could see another Western Conference rematch Yeah. with the Avalanche and the Oilers. So uh, that I could see that. And then... Dallas and the Wild. This is probably the matchup that I know the least about. I saw I've seen a little bit of the Wild. I really, really, really like Matthew Boldy. He is he's kind of sprang up this season. Uh, I I'll, I want to double check, but I know he scored at least twenty this season. I believe he scored thirty goals. I mean, he sprang up and he makes a nice addition to Kirill Kaprizov and kind of as a guy who you wouldn't expect to step up. Yeah, 31 goal season this year. So he sprang up huge this season, big offensive piece for them. I really like him. Uh but I I think I I want to pick the Wild here. Like I said, this is probably the one I know the least about, but uh overall I think I like the Wild's team a bit more. I want the Wild to win, but they had they didn't really impress me in the in the playoffs last year and with the Dallas Stars, they're always sneakily good, and I think that's the case again this year. Um, we saw that last year Jake Ottinger had an insane playoffs, and so I think we're going to see that again. And with they have guys like Jason Robertson, and so I think that's the reason they're going to win. But I want the Wild to win, but I just I don't think I could see it happening. I think this one could go seven. Uh, I, I do yeah. like Jake Ottinger. He's a good goaltender, but yeah. I mean – Look at the Wild. You got Mark Andre Fleury, a guy, one of Vesna. He's he been there, done that. He is a little older, and his form has started to become a little questionable as a recent. He though. he has a two two eight five goals against this season and yeah. a nine oh eight save percentage. But Which isn't impressive. At all. But I mean, let's be real. The guy backing him up isn't that good either. Twenty two and nine with seven overtime losses, a two ten goals against average, and a nine thirty one save percentage in thirty nine games. But yeah, he's not great either. So yeah. and Jake Ottinger is doing significantly better this season. He's thirty seven and eleven with a two point three seven GAA and a nine point one nine one nine save percentage. I, I this will be a really interesting matchup that I'm excited to watch. I. This is this is the time that is way. I, I believe this is the right time for anyone who wants to watch hockey to get into it. I, it's harder for me to just sit down and watch hockey. Like I do like to do that during the regular season, but 
playoff hockey is. I I will move my schedule around to watch playoff hockey games. So I, yeah. this is this is definitely the time of year if you want to get into hockey to watch. Yeah, and like in the East, there I think that's where all the powerhouses are, but it's still up in the air. That that's the case even more so in the West. There isn't a favorite to come out of the West if you look at the bracket up and down. Each team could feasibly go to on a run. I know that you could probably say that's the case for the Eastern, but not as much considering there's two or three true powerhouses in, in the East. Do you have any bold takes? My, my biggest bold take is Boston isn't making it past the second round. They, they've just been too hot. There's no way they carry yeah, it all the way through the I playoffs. Have, I have the Lightning beating them probably seven. Um I have I, for me, it's going to be a Rangers Lightning um, conference finals with the Rangers moving on because I just think that the Lightning have taken a slight step back and the Rangers have taken that slight step forward. I have to say, I know I'm not supposed to like the Rangers and I'm supposed to hate them, and I do. I I dislike the Rangers as much as the next guy, but just the players they have on their team in Panarin and. Kane, I love Kane. Vladimir Tarasenko, I love Igor Shosturkin as a goalie too. Just the players that they have, they make me they make me like the Rangers a little bit in the in this playoffs. So I think I want to see a King Rangers final. I'm predicting we're gonna see an Oilers Rangers final. Yeah, I, I don't think the Kings are gonna make it, but I want to see them make it. Yeah, I and I do love Jonathan Quick too. I mean, I I never really had a problem with the Kings. Well, he's not with the Knights, so yeah. he could still make it. I don't want him to, though. Cause, like, you don't want the Knights to go. If the, like, There's only two teams, I'd say, in this playoffs I really don't want to win, and it's the Knights and the Bruins. And yeah. Because I just think the Knights fans are spoiled, and I really don't like Bruins fans. I think they're slightly annoying. I'd be cool with Dallas or the Wild winning it either, too. I mean, too. Dallas, I mean, they've never, ever done anything for me. I've always found them kind of annoying, and I've always bet against them, but I've learned, especially in the past few years, that doing that is very stupid because they made it to a Stanley Cup final where like, yeah. nobody thought they would. Literally nobody. Yeah, they, they randomly... They were like the Kansas City Royals in 2015 yeah, just, when the Royals just went and won the World Series yeah, and, and they never faced, did anything again. Yeah, and they faced another out-of-nowhere team that year, too, in that 2015 Mets. Uh, I, I, I couldn't even have told you who made it from the Yeah, NL they went on the same run. Daniel Murphy was playing out of his mind, and then they did nothing after. Uh, and then... Yeah, I, and that's the first year that the Lightning won the Cup was beating that Dallas team. Yeah. So, uh, that's the playoffs. That's the first round. Uh, we'll keep on. We'll keep on going as the playoffs go on. Uh, there's not going to be a full prediction here. My, I I can't honestly say who's going to come out of the West. I. It's it's way too yeah. Hard it's thrown up in the Oilers because I think they obviously have the best talent in the league and. They have, I think they have the roster to make run. They did it last year, but I wouldn't be surprised by anybody coming out of the West. See, I don't want to agree with you because I like having a little bit of debate going on, but honestly, I could see an Oilers-Rangers final too. Yeah. Like, it's very probable. So, And I think they're built little very similarly. I think the Oilers have a lot more, I mean, top-end talent. I think Dry, Leon Dreisaitl... And um, Connor McDavid are better than any players on the Rangers, but like the next five or six players that are best players are all Rangers, and they have a better goaltender. Yeah, 
I think the Rangers are probably the deepest team in the playoffs right now. Yeah. Uh, but that really closes out the NHL playoffs. Now, as long as – do you have anything else to add for the NHL? That's all I got. All right, so we're going to move on to close out here with the MLB. Um, last time we talked, it was going into opening day. It was actually opening day weekend. Phillies got swept. They started out 0-3. Uh, the Nationals beat the Braves once, so they were already ahead of the Phillies in the standings. Since then, things haven't really changed much. Uh, Atlanta leads the division at 12-4. and They have gone on multiple six-game winning streaks already. I believe they went on a six-game, lost a game or two, went on another six-game winning streak. They are rolling. The Mets right behind them at 10-6. and and Miami at eight and eight, and then Philly at six and ten, and Washington at five and eleven. Yeah, I, that's not good, dude. I don't, I don't even know. So from what I've seen from the Phillies, they are so they're very hit or miss. Uh, you know, no pun intended, but they are very like they either score ten runs or no runs. There's really no in between. They the first week they scored seven in on opening day, and then the next week after that they didn't score over four. And back to back games against the Reds, you lost. You first lost thirteen to nothing to the Reds, and then you beat them fourteen to three. Yeah, that, that was define your team. I don't know what does. You either like your pitching staff completely sucks and your bats can't do a thing, or. Everyone explodes at the same time. Yeah, it's they they need to find a way to get a little bit more consistent. I, it's I mean their offense has uh, has been working occasionally. Uh, Brandon Marsh already has three triples this season. Nick Castellanos is leading the MLB in doubles right now uh, with nine. I mean Nick Castellanos has improved so much from last season. He is all over the place. Uh, Bryson Stott is hitting 380. Bryson Stott is so good. I can't even explain to you. Like, Bryson Stott, I think the shift actually worked against Stott because with them now having to keep two on the field, they can't lean one way or the other. But Bryson Stott is so good at using the entire field. He he is the guy who can get a pitcher's pitch count up by himself. He will foul off six balls in one at-bat and just keep it going for forever. It seems like his at-bats are the longest of all time. He's so good at just getting bat on ball every single time a pitch comes in. And But like I said, it's just like you said earlier, it's either they're all clicking at once or no one's clicking. So I think once they're able to find that consistency, then they'll be okay. But the biggest things right now is like you said, Stott batting three eighty. He he ended up getting moved up to the top of the lineup for a couple of days just yeah. to try to switch it up. Uh, and Nick Castellanos, his growth from last season to this season is huge. Nick Castellanos said he's like, yeah, you know, I'm not reaching for random balls that I shouldn't be reaching for anymore. Yeah. I'm actually looking in each ball and not trying to swing for the fences every time. So Nick Castellanos knows he's improved. And then another kind of I don't want to say I don't want to say uh underrated breakout or unexpected breakout but Alec Bohm is another guy who has stepped it up this season I believe he's tied with the lead on the team with home runs with three so he's found a little bit of power uh he's another guy who can kind of bat up and down the lineup and be consistent so it's just a matter of finding that consistency as a whole with the team and not just having either 
15 runs in one game and zero in the next. It's more a matter of, you know, scoring multiple runs in multiple games. So it's just everything needing to work together at once. And for another big thing is you are still missing Bryce Harper. He is still recovering from Tommy John surgery. And I don't know if you've heard these reports, but he's been working out at first base. I saw that. I don't understand why. Don't, I, maybe it's just this, they say it's possibly to speed up the recovery, and but I, I don't know why. I don't see how that Maybe, would... like, they think so, that so here's... the outfield keeps getting him hurt, so they're going to try and protect him more because they value the bat more than the defense, but I do not here's, here's what I think. I think uh, they've determined that... Now, when I say this name, you're going to ask who in the world that is, but I think that they believe that Jake Cave is is uh, serviceable in the outfield right now. They have Castellanos in right field, Marsh in center, and then Jake Cave again. No idea who that is. Uh, he he looks like he's fifty on the field. He like, sounds, oh my god, he's <laughs> he's thirty years old, but he looks like he's fifty. Like he's got gray hair and everything. He sounds like you go on MLB the show and just do a random name. Yeah, Jake Cave. Yeah, he. Uh, I think they believe he's serviceable, and I think the reason they might be working him out at, at Harper out at first is because at first he doesn't really have to use that throwing arm. From right going from right field to third, that is a heck of a long throw. If he's playing at first, he doesn't really have to throw, so maybe they think getting him at first would bring him in a little bit quicker, so he doesn't really have to throw, and he they could get his bat back, but not really have to worry about hurting his arm, but. I don't really know. I know he's been working, and he says he feels good. They haven't changed his timeline for return yet. They still believe it's going to be uh, September timeframe, August September timeframe. So they haven't changed his uh, his destination. But uh, he said that he is working out and he's feeling better. And then another guy is uh, Ranger Suarez is also coming. Looks like he's going to be back. Who? completes our rotation so uh, to get him back will be huge we don't have to go out of our bullpen for that fifth pitcher and bailey falter and uh match i believe matt strom is the guy we've been using for our fifth pitcher in our rotation we can move falter back to five and then we got wheeler nola taiwan walker ranger suarez and then falter to close out but last season they would have bailey falter start the game and then they'd have another guy come in who could pitch like another three, four innings, and you would get a solid seven, eight innings out of two pitchers, and that's, I believe that's what they'll try to do with Falter and Matt Strom once uh, Ranger Suarez comes back. Yeah, going on in the Nationals, there's not much to say in terms of good. Um, Mackenzie Gore, I think, is the only pot, little bright spot in his three starts. He's 3-0 with a 3 ERA. It's like he's starting to get a decent amount of strikeouts, but other than that, um, for me, the big story is David Martinez. I understand that, yes, he won a World Series, but that was three three years ago. We need to stop thinking like that. And is David Martinez the guy to help nurture these young players? And I don't think so. I don't think he's going to survive towards the end of the season. And I've, I've questioned some of his managing decisions, whether it's not pulling guys like Kyle Fan- Finnegan or pulling him too early. I just, and I think the young guys in the clubhouse need a different voice leader. And with... Our hottest, undoubtedly our hottest hitter, has been Stone Garrett, but Davey Martinez doesn't really start him. He still starts Joey Manessas, who isn't off to a great start, so I've really 
I'm really questioning that. So I don't think David Martinez is the guy for the future. We need to understand he won a World Series, but we need to stop looking at start looking towards the future and possibly needing to move on. Well, I mean, you guys are in a rebuild, so now would be the perfect time to get rid of them and yeah. look for your coach because when you do finally complete your rebuild and your coach comes in, he's going to want to build the roster that he wants to. He's yeah. not going to want to work with the older guys. So same idea that Torts was in when he's coming to the Flyers. So that if you guys want to kind of expedite that rebuild process, now would be the best time to bring in a new manager. Yeah, I, I think it, it's time. All right, and I believe that closes everything out for you. That's all I got. All right, that's all I got too. So with that, we're going to end it off there. Uh, we do these each week. So with that, you guys can follow us on Instagram and TikTok Beyond the DC on both of those. You can email us questions and comments at beyondthedc at gmail.com. And then you guys can f- subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and Apple and rate us and review us on there. So with that, we're going to end it off there and we will see you guys next week. See you later.